When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Kieran, it's Newsday, and I'm a big man, Kieran, so I think we should acknowledge the news that despite your fears on Sunday about getting tanked by Southampton, you breezed through that game and you breezed into Europe. Can, congr- if, if you can hear me through the gritty teeth, Kieran, congratulations. <laughs> uh, you, des- you fully deserve it, I have to say. Thank you. Um, I've, I, I was I was almost crying. With, oh. it, it, it was one of those things which it just hits. You know, we we both supported football clubs that have have stared into the abyss at times. And yes, we've had, we've come back and there's some great moments. And then yeah, I, I just I just lost it uh, oh. for a minute or so. Yeah, it was absolutely wonderful and uh, uh, thoroughly looking forward to it. And, and then the the club owner. Um, has given every single member of staff a twenty percent bonus uh, to acknowledge their achievements, which which is a sign. You know, we, I'm, I'm not saying it because he's the bright note. I say it whoever the owner was. Um, it, it's great to acknowledge the people who are who are behind the scenes because you know you, you start the day with a smile on your face, uh, and that and that helps a ripple throughout a club, and, and that's that's the that's sort of the culture that you should be looking for, regardless of of who's in charge. Yeah, I'm welling up here, Kieran. Welling up, literally. Um, I, I, well, I wish you. I, you know, I hope. I hope you have a lovely. I don't, Kieran. Well, I, I hope you have loads of uh, <laughs> cancelled planes, huge passport queues, all that sort of thing. But no, it's great. It's a great achievement. Well done, everybody Thank in you. Brighton. Uh, so let's move on to the news, Kieran. Shall we? The news that matters. Um, um, breaking news in just the last ten minutes or so. We're recording this on Wednesday morning. Um, big, big news from Germany, Kieran. Yes, um, it looks as if the German Football League um, is in talks and is potentially going to take uh, a huge injection of cash somewhere in the region. I think it's €2 billion um, from private equity. Um, Now, private equity has got no interest in football. Private equity has got no moral or or ethical compass. Historically, you've got to look at its relationship with other sports. Private equity does have money. Um, So how this is going to uh, play out, uh, we'll have to wait and see. I think it's it's fair to say that we've already had a a bit of pushback from uh, 
uh, San Pauli from uh, Union Berlin yeah. um, and one or two other clubs. I think you have to have a two-thirds majority um, in order to uh, get decisions through. Um, and I think what really interests me will be the reaction of German fans. I, I do think that uh, German fan culture is, is something which is to be admired they are they are very organised. Yeah, um, they they get the message across, um, and they have been successful um, in that because um, there's there's greater emphasis to to put aside club differences and, and work for a common cause. At the same time, I, I don't think I've ever been prouder of being a, a fan of an English club than than we, than we took down the Super League. Yeah, so you know, and and, and at those moments. Um, Fans, fans do come together. So we'll have to wait to see here. Um, private equity is willing to put money into football because it's looking for a return on that investment. And that return is not an emotional investment. It's a financial investment, pure and simple. Um, and, you know, uh, it, it, it will probably result in fans having to pay more uh, in due course uh, if, uh, if, if this goes ahead. At the same time, I understand that some clubs are a bit skint and they're they're looking for for additional funds. Um, just just be careful who you get into bed with. Uh, would be my 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 comment there. I, I predict, Kieran, in the days and weeks to come, we'll be hearing a lot more from German fans because they are rightly proud of the role they play in in German football and the place they they have in it. There's probably more of a sense of ownership of the clubs from German fans than there is. Mm. From English fans, and they're very proprietorial towards their their clubs, as you say, but also willing to put that aside for the greater good. But it, from where has the impetus for this loan come from, Kieran? Is as the German football league approached financial private investors, or has the private investors approached the German league? I, I think the German league has has let it be known that it, it is conscious that the Premier League is the Super League right. in Europe. And um, therefore, wanting to give the clubs resources to to do some form of catch-up in terms of infrastructure investment, in the in terms of the ability to compete um, in, in the talent market and so on. I absolutely understand that. Um, and it, it is a case of sort of keeping up with the Joneses um, as far as the, the German uh, clubs are concerned um, and the logic of that is you get some short-term money um, and spend it wisely. The trouble is that uh, you, you know, we've, we've spoken at, at length with regards to Barcelona taking investment um, in a short-term basis, but then committing itself to, to give a proportion of its revenues for 20, 25 years. We've seen this in English rugby. Um, mm. And that's not worked out particularly well because we've got clubs such as you know, Wasps and Worcester Warriors and potentially London Irish um, in, in deep financial trouble. Um, you've, if, if you're dealing with uh, institutions who are very, very smart, and I'm, I'm not denying that, um, and very, very good at making money, uh, it means that if one party is making a lot of money, then that money's got to come from somewhere. Now, whether it's mm-hmm. going to be from in terms of clubs having to give up a proportion of their revenues in future years, whether it's going to come through higher ticket prices, higher merchandise prices, higher subscription prices for TV, we'll have to wait and see. Wasps are essentially a, a Sunday league rugby team now. If there is uh, there is such a thing, having to start all over again, which is... Uh, slightly worrying for some football fans, considering how big a club was. Were mm. we were talking about this the other night, Kieran? Not we, you, as in you and I, because you were too busy uh, 
getting on Google Translate to ask how much is your quinoa in several different languages. <laughs> uh, but we're talking because we're talking about Man City's success. The broadcasting deal in Germany, Kieran, has that gone down because Bayern Munich win it every year? And as you've talked about before, broadcasters prefer a bit of competition. Is that part of the problem? Is that partly why the other clubs are so short of money? Um, Bayern Munich are very, very successful. Um, That does reduce jeopardy. That does reduce that competitive tension that exists. Um, and that's one of the criticisms, which is yeah, there, there's a bit of a there's a bit of a sniping campaign uh, being directed at, at Manchester City, which which I think is 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 harsh. Uh, Pep Guardiola is a genius. I agree. Um, and uh, you know, if if you look at Manchester City signings, well, you know, no no disrespect, they they didn't pay eighty million for Anthony, and they yeah. they didn't pay. 70 million for for Darwin Nunes and so on. You know, they they get it right in terms of recruitment. And then you've got you know, arguably the the most innovative coach um on the planet. Um and 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 that's that's why we're ending up with a, a period of domination, but it but it's down to to good decision making. Um it makes it more difficult. And also I think you you've got to give the, the Premier League credit for for what they did now that they're reaping the rewards of what they did 30 years ago in terms of going to foreign markets saying look we'll effectively give you the the rights to the premier league our new competition for nothing and and part of the reason why they did that was that you know you and i both remember football was pretty troubled in the 80s yeah it it was um and they said look we got this product um they marketed it extremely well and we, we now are reaping that reward in the sense that international broadcast rights are exceeding the domestic rights. And who watches German football? Who watches the Bundesliga in Australia, in Nigeria, in Hong Kong, in the US and so on? You know, the markets there are, are very small because the, the international fans, for want of a better phrase, yes, that they they, there's, 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 yeah, they like Bayern Munich and they've got an interest in Real Madrid and Barcelona, but but it, it's the Premier League. And you know, that's, that's the focus. Mm. Uh, talking of huge injections of investment, uh, Kieran, a, a club just down the road from where you work looks like they've been getting some cash coming their way shortly. Yes, it, it does. I mean, uh, Everton have uh, been in talks for a period of time um, and, and effectively with... Um, two uh, potential partners, one of which is called 777. Mm. Um, and 777 are a multi-club ownership uh, entity. Uh, they're, they're based in Miami. Um, yeah, we all remember Miami Vice from uh, from back in the day. Um, and uh, they own Standard Liège, Vasco da Gama in Brazil, Genoa, Red Star in France, Melbourne Victory. I think they own um, a London basketball team as well so it's, it's very uh very broad based um i, I they, they are also have a managing partner called josh wonder um who um who, who has got a, a bit of a history in respect of cocaine trafficking which which always uh, uh just is, just stop you there kieran you say a bit of a history <laughs> i'm not sure how you have a bit of a history <laughs> um now uh, as people know, I'm, I'm sort of I'm, I'm quite obsessive about food and drink. Certainly, mm. so I've, I've never tasted alcohol. I've never had a boiled egg. I've never tasted coffee. Whoa, whoa, um, whoa, whoa, whoa! So I'm going to have to roll you back again here. Now uh, we've gone from cocaine trafficking to you've never had a boiled egg. 
Never had a boiled egg, no. What do you mean you've never had a boiled How can you go through life being raised in South London, never having a boiled egg? I'm, I'm, just, I'm just a bit odd. Fried egg? Yes. Um, Scram- I, I had a... No, I've never had a scrambled egg. I did, I did try a fried egg when I was about six uh, and, and didn't go down well. Um, and then... Uh, and then sort of when I joined the Harry Krishna movement at university, their their beliefs is that that uh that eggs are sort of from 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 the from de- the devil themselves. Um so that sort of reinforced my anti egg campaign. I'll have them in cakes because I can't see or taste them. But uh I, I keep you know, omelets, no, no, uh, um Yeah, this so- this is a, a deviation, Kieran here, but do you know what? All those all those years, I used to really admire the band of Harry Krishnas who would uh, parade through London every day, taking some some jollity and stick from some people, which I didn't approve of. But I I thought, to be honest, Kieran, that their views, their beliefs were on a rather higher spiritual plane. If, if I'd known that half of that chanting was anti-boiled egg, I would have been <laughs> yes. I would have been less inclined to stop and talk to them about their beliefs. Really, really I, I can't. It's astonishing how you. You, you've never failed to surprise me, clearly. I, I'm genuinely taken aback by the fact that you've never had a boiled egg or an omelette. It's just, what happens to you in what do you ask for in calves? Well, a- this is an issue because if I if I go to you know for McDonald's or Burger King for yeah when you when you desperately need something in the morning and it's it's always uh, you know uh, sausage with egg yeah. or uh, bacon with egg and uh, and I'm sort of. I sort of do the Monty Python spam routine. Can you do anything without egg? And they, they look at me as if I've given a grown a second head. Mm, um, so yeah, it's 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 been, it's, been, it's been challenging at times. Uh, yeah, um, but um, but I've also never taken any drugs. So yeah, this is, I, am, I am so dull. All right, yeah, um, to, yeah. Bring it back. Yeah, to, to, bring back, it back, back to Joshua. Back. Yeah, well, well done. <laughs> Excellent circularity there, Kieran. Like like an, egg, an actual egg itself. Or, well, it's not. <laughs> That's right. Which is not circular. It's it's ovoid. But yes. That's, That's right. Yeah. Um, so, um, Miss, Mr. Wanda um, has has done some time um, in, in respect of um, for drug trafficking. He said I had thirty one grams of cocaine for my personal use. Whoa! And now I don't know. And, and let you know, I'm cool, 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 cool. I, I doesn't mean I'm a Brexiteer. I'm an ounces man, Kevin. Myself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah but yeah. but I do understand that. Uh, that for, for for reasons best known to uh, the world, uh, cocaine is measured in grams, and I believe that thirty one grams would be a bit of a party night for a single person. Is is that is that correct from stories uh, uh, you've heard, Kieran? I, I, I I've been in showbiz for thirty years, Kieran, so I'm okay. I'm aware of the I'm aware of the of the, of the cocaine, as they say. Uh, thirty one grams is is a, an awful lot for personal use. <laughs> Yes. Really, really, but you know, good. I'm sure there's a loophole lawyer somewhere that could probably <laughs> get him out, could get three points off his license just for that. But yeah, so that's so that's his history of drugs. I still don't know how he's got started talking about boiled eggs, but we're 14 minutes in, Kieran, and so far all we've discussed is Germany and boiled eggs. So perhaps yes. we should move on a little bit. <laughs> yes, so I, I think he might have had a bit of a challenge passing the owners and directors test. Um, yeah. So the other interested party is is referred to as MSP Sports Capital, and it has now signed an exclusivity uh, uh, contract with Farhad Mashiri. Um, so they're based in New York. Now, from what I understand, 
uh, talking to sources, um, that they're going to put money in. If this deal goes ahead, they're going to put this deal in in what we call convertible uh, debt or convertible shares, and, and they convert into. So initially, um, MSP Sports Capital will have no. Uh, no voting power as far as being shareholders are concerned, and the the, uh, the what, what, however they're going to get the money across um, interest effectively is going to have to be paid by Everton on that, and it's going to be used to fund the stadium. Um, but uh, I think also as part of the deal, um, we can anticipate some pretty major changes at boardroom level. Um, as far as Everton Football Club are concerned, um, with MSP Sports Capital wanting, certainly from, you know, I, I talk to journalists and people in the game and so on, I think they're looking to have uh, two people on the board of directors and they're looking for a, uh, effectively a fresh broom um, at Everton. Everton have lost an awful lot of money yeah. in, uh, in in recent years. And in due course, um, those those loans, loan notes or, or preference shares, they will convert into to ordinary shares, vote, traditional voting shares, which will give MSP Sports Capital around about 20 to 25% um, of Everton. Um, and, and I suspect that, you know, then there will be a conversation um, between MSP and Farhad Mashiri as to you know, how does he see his his future relationship with the club, uh, because you know he's uh, he's come in for a fair amount of criticism from Everton fans, and also um, you know there have been eyebrows raised about his about his historic relationship with uh, Alicia Usmanov, who um, was, I'm not saying he's a wrong one, but he was banned from coming into the UK six months before Russia invaded Ukraine. And at that point, he had assets frozen. Yeah, I, I, I would legally uh, be loathe to call him a wrong one, but let's just say there are factors that indicate there is potential for wrong If you look at Usmanov's history and his relationship with Putin, for example. Mm. Uh, it's interesting to hear what you just said, Kieran, about that 25%, because uh, over the weekend, uh, rumours suddenly started to circulate about how bad Everton's financial situation actually is. And I don't want to mm. get into those because they were just uh, rumours by the look of things. But journalists don't seem to be entirely sure whether this is investment by MSP Sports Capital or a takeover bid, but what you said there indicates that perhaps you say discussions will be had about uh, Mashiri's future. That there is a kind of element of hostile takeover here, then, Kieran, from what you're saying. Yeah, I think there's there's a pathway um, right. towards MSP increasing their involvement, and we've seen similar at Leeds United. Yeah, we, we've got uh, uh, we've got the Forty ers Investment Fund, who have a substantial investment now in Leeds United Football Club, with the you know with an option at some point to uh, taking uh, more than fifty percent and, and therefore having operational control over the, the club. Um, yeah, Far- Farhad Mashiri has has uh, put a lot of money into the club uh, at Everton. He'll be looking to get that money out, uh, but it's been a, a pretty rocky relationship uh, in in terms of the quality of the decision-making which has been made there, which is, you know, you know that, and that's why Everton are, uh, you know, looking nervously over their shoulder for, for this coming weekend in, in terms of trying to get the point or points needed to, to avoid relegation. 
Well, I was going to ask you that, Kieran. Is this investment from MSP contingent on them staying in the Premier League? No, I, I think the, the the conversations have gone sufficiently down the road right. um, that uh, it's going to be looking at Everton as a long-term investment and, and therefore uh, you know, the assumption will be that if Everton you know, are relegated on, on Sunday, um, it's uh, it's just a passing phase and they'll be back in the Premier League uh, pretty quickly. Right, because I mean, as an investor, established Premier League team with that amazing looking ground coming along would seem to be a fairly safe bet wouldn't it yes yeah i mean i've i know people that that have been been to the ground and have, and have looked around and the the, uh, the feedback that's uh, that's been given to me has been extremely positive um and you know i know evertonians are very proud of goodison in, in terms of you know history and the heritage and the memories um but th- this is going to be quite a spectacular step up in terms of facilities what the club's got to remember of course is that you, you don't want to price out those fans that have, have been th- with the club through thick and thin yeah uh, if Everton fans are in for an anxious few days Kieran <laughs> welcome to Wigan fans world because another anxious few days coming up for them yes um what what a mess um yeah. you know and and Wigan have been through uh, yeah, been through administration. They've been through two sets of Far East owners. Um, you know, under Dave Whelan, they were run very, very rigidly. You know, yeah. very, very focused on uh, making ends meet, um, and, and that was a success. And now the new owners have come in, and uh, Wigan have been given a four points deduction for the start of next season. So they're going to start. Oh in League One in 23-24 on minus four points. And this is because, yet again, a late payment of wages. Yeah, I think that's five five times in a year. Um, on top of that, um, they've been threatened with a further points deduction. Um, and this is because the owner has been told, um, we've effectively lost faith in your ability to pay wages. So therefore, what you have to do is you have to deposit into an an account which you can't access once the money goes in, an account in which you put 125% of the following wage bill. And this allows the the EFL to say, yeah, the money's in now, so therefore the wages, we we don't want this to go ahead. Um, If he fails to, to put that money in, or if the wages are failed to be paid, um, then there will be a further four points deduction. And and then there was this one is very weird. Wigan have already been relegated. Um, matches have finished in the EFL Championship for season 22-23. And um, they've now been given a three-point deduction for this season. Right. So, yeah, so, yeah, okay, they end up officially on the table, which is printed off. Um, and this is for failing to pay wages on time in, in March 2023. The the minus four points for next season is is for, for a, a later uh, wage payment. So it, it it does seem a bit of tokenism um, that yeah. If if you're down, you're down. I'd, yeah, if if, I'm, if if my team's relegated, I, I don't remember the number of points that we earned. Yeah, we just went down. Who cares? Mm. Um, so that does seem um, a bit of a strange one. But that that there there had been. Funny things taking place. Yeah, they they had a an experienced uh, chief exec who appeared to be sort of 
got rid of in a night of the long knives. And since then, things have certainly uh, appeared to have got worse and worse. Yeah, I I went to Wigan several times under Dave Whelan's ownership. And it was a brilliant place to go. It was a lovely club. Uh, He was a really nice bloke. But I remember talking to one journalist up there saying, oh, he's a throwback. He's, he's He's just like the old 70s local boy makes good owner. This club needs to move on from that. And they've moved on from that kid, and it's been a mm. fucking disaster. Yeah, so, be so careful again, what you wish for. Absolutely, be careful what you wish for. And that sometimes these these old blokes who are local boys made good, who want to keep their club going, are exactly what you want. Um, and if Wigan's a mess, Kieran, Fleetwood Town is is a mess squared at the moment. Yes, um, we need an extra chair for our um, Rongans. Uh, gallery um, and uh, that that chair uh, is for Mr Andy Pilly. Uh, Andy Pilly has been found guilty of fraud and money laundering uh, offences. Uh, this is in respect of an energy company that he ran called BES Utilities um, and uh, Fleetwood Town um, have been one of those clubs that have punched above their weight yeah. um, in recent years, and, and fair play to them. Yeah, they've they've come from uh, they've come from non-league. They've they've managed to get into the championship, um, but they've lost sixty thousand pounds a week for six years, yeah, and that's that's a lot of money to find um, for, for for such a small club, and and that money uh, has effectively come from Andy Pilly um, and his uh, his other. Uh, his other activities, and yeah, I think there's to a certain extent parallels here with what we saw at Berry in in relation to um, their former owner Stuart Day, who had a business which was a bit rickety, and uh, you know when when he walked away, then then the problems really really amplified. So uh, Fleetwood have been paying wages which exceed revenue. Um, and that's going to be difficult to repeat in the future. Um, both BES Utilities uh, and and Fleetwood Town are saying, "Well, yeah, it, this is this is a shareholder. This is uh, uh, an owner who has been uh, tainted. Nothing to do with us, Gov." And that's fine. But um, whilst uh, Andy Pilly was not an employee of BES Utilities, he he was the major shareholder, um, and therefore, uh, you know, he does have an interest. Uh, clearly, there will be uh, reputational damage as far as that business is concerned, and, and the, yeah, the, the, it's, it's an entity which employs people at the Fleetwood Town Football Club. So, where this leaves the EFL um, in, in terms of you've got one of your member clubs owned by somebody who who would appear to, uh, if he applied to buy a football club today would quite spectacularly fail the owners and directors test uh i think i think it's, it's a challenge for the efl um you know they will be wanting to ensure first and foremost that we have a fleetwood town football club um and then uh have to deal with with the ownership interests uh but it, i think it is going to be a very challenging summer um and period of time for the club itself do you know what, Kieran? If, I, I, I'm going to suggest to the EFL they add something else to the owners and directors test, and that that should be that the potential new owner and director should have had a boiled egg. 
So I, I can't quite get that out of my head. I'm just, I'm just hoping. I know a lot of politicians listen to this pod, and I'm worried that the next time you're giving evidence in front of a parliamentary committee, they'll just be sitting there going, I don't, "I'm not taking anything this bloke says. He's, he's never had a boiled egg or an omelette. I can't. How can you trust this man?" Um, we've talked a lot, Kieran, about a potential and slightly odd takeover of Morecambe, mm. but on the face of it, news this week that it it might be a decent club to put your money into. Well. Yes, I mean, I, I uh, keep it close attention to the accounts of, of every club, as you know. Mm. And uh, th- this is something which I've been able to say on, on very rare occasions. Uh, we've, got, we've got a club that's not only breaking even um, on relatively low, re- relatively low revenue, um, it's made over a million pounds in profit for the last two years. And, and yeah. that's, you know, hats off to, to the club. Uh, I mean, they, they had the lowest wage bill in in League One. Um, I, I know our friend, um, you know, a- Andy Holt at uh, at Accrington is. I think his was probably the second lowest, but I think uh, Morecambe's is even lowest. Um, and that that was great. And then you say, well, you know, can we therefore be relaxed about the future of Morecambe? And the answer is no. Right. Whilst they've made a profit. Those profits uh, appear to uh, have gone into, first of all, paying interest on a loan from the Bond Group. The Bond Group is uh, owned or partly owned by a gentleman called Colin Goldring. Um, He was uh, part of the ownership group at Worcester Warriors, which effectively no longer exists as far as rugby is concerned. Um, He was a trainee solicitor. um, in, In what I quote as a personal injury fee earner Mm. it's part of the industry um more commonly known as ambulance chasing um and he was banned from working in law firms by the uh, solicitors regulatory authority for a period of 10 years um and and effectively he wouldn't be allowed to uh be have anything to do with uh, legal firms unless he was very closely supervised and the reason for this was to do with it looks like he 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 took money um when working for a law firm from three uh, three very wealthy individuals from the middle east he took 9 million pounds to buy three cars wow. and i i don't think those three cars ever materialized um so yeah that's, that's he, a he lot has, that's a lot of cars for personal use kieran that's, that's a lot of guys a lot of grams yeah a lot of grams, a lot of grams of, yeah. yeah yeah a lot of grams of car um so that's 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 where we are. I mean, you know, fair play, and, and I think we yeah we said this last week. The the people who are running Morecambe Football Club on a day to day basis um, have got the best interests of the club at heart, but the owners are not those people. And trying to work out the owners' motives and also the the the, the Saab Capital potential takeover. Um, is 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 a tricky one. So yeah, they're they're on our very much on our watch list over the summer. Um, and and you know, in an ideal world, they're one of those clubs I don't want to be talking about, but I fear that I will be. In an ideal world, Kieran, we wouldn't talk in, be talking about any of them. And, and and this next club is one I know for a fact we've never mentioned before. But such is the nature of the pod that I wish we weren't mentioning it now. Yes, um, I was. I was at a conference a couple of days ago, um, and somebody uh, brought this to my attention. This is Warren Point Town um, in in Northern Ireland, and um, they they've done very well. They got they get the average crowds of about four hundred, but yeah. it's uh, yeah. I think they're in South Down. 
um, and as somebody that lives on the South Downs here in Sussex, you oh. know, I do feel that, yeah, a bit, you know, feel a bit of a, a bit of a connection. They've done extremely well. They got into the promotion playoffs to go into the the, the Premier League, and then the Irish FA said, um, "You've you, you've not paid a tax bill," oh. and they said, "Oh, holy moly!" Um, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, it, we hold the bands. Yeah, we. We've we we messed up, and they paid it immediately. Um, it, and they're saying, look, generally, look, it, it was an oversight. It was, you know, we're 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 run by volunteers, yeah. like like many clubs at that level. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, very sorry, and so on. Um, but they're now into the promotions, and um, the Irish FA have turned around and said, uh, we're we're going to deny you a license. We're going to deny you a promotion license. To the the Premiership, if if you win your promotion playoff, but worse than that, we're going to deny you a Championship license to oh. play in the division in which you're currently in. And I'm looking at this and going, well, this this just seems uh, to lack proportionality. Yeah, harsh. Um, I, I'm I'm not you know I'm, I'm not condoning the late payment of taxes or anything. Um, yeah, people do make errors, um, and, and if you show a bit of contrition. Um, so it does seem a, a quite draconian uh, reaction from the Irish FA, uh, you know, given that, that the tax arrears has now been dealt with. The club has done extremely well on the pitch. And, and as you can imagine, they, the, the club is uh, very upset. And what's going to happen in terms of their – they're going to appeal. But as the club's put on its website – this is money which is going to our silver-tongued friends, of course, in effect. Of course. Um, and, and you know, I've always said that uh, you know the, the, the job of uh, the legal profession is, is to represent the clients, and I absolutely understand that. Um, but you know, volunteer-based clubs, you know, which you know, semi-pro on the pitch, effectively amateur off the pitch, um, it's uh, it's it's difficult money to to find. So, uh, oh, so I just just wish them well and. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it's it, it's it's very messy. I'd, I'd be intrigued, Kieran, to hear more of the context of this. I mean, we are they serial offenders? Is this, is this a one-off um, non-payment of tax? Because, as you say, a lot of us, most of us, me, uh, there are times when you don't pay your tax on time, and you fess up and you say, "I will pay it," and they go, "Okay, fine, make sure you do, or you pay it in instalments." So, as always, if if anybody from Warren Point Town is listening or indeed from the Irish FA but please get in touch um, and we will we'd happily talk to you about this because it's it's one thing for an FA or a league to go after big clubs big owners who are misbehaving but what sounds like you know as you say it's a it's a club run by volunteers who have made a mistake rectified it this seems very harsh This episode of The Price of Football is brought to you by the AI-powered workspace Notion. What if you had access to tomorrow's tools today? In Notion, you do. It's the AI-powered workspace where any team can turn ideas into action. My career is sort of a bit like being a butterfly, and I'm always jumping from project to project. So therefore, Notion helps me from summarising meetings notes and automatically generating action items to getting answers to any question in seconds. If you can think it, you can make it. And Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company or a freelance football finance lecturer. 
You can try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash price of football. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash price of football and start turning ideas into action. That's notion.com slash price of football. Hi, I'm Steve Lamack, and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insight, Stuart Dredge, on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode, we discuss the very latest goings-on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry, or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. I don't know, Kieran, what a memorandum of understanding is, but <laughs> it seems that two unlikely people have signed one. Yes, um, this is the uh, CAF, the Confederation of African Football, and the Saudi Arabian uh, Football Authorities, and they've signed a memorandum of understanding, and it looks as if um, there's there's a chance of an African Super League being created and um i I think that's great you know it it will have 24 clubs um janny Fantino, he's been saying that sounds uh, good as well um and then thinking that that sounds good you know one of the issues with african football is that at club level they they don't have big tv deals they they don't have high prices in terms of uh tickets and so on so so therefore there is a funding issue so we've got this potential new competition it's going to need some money. Up pops along Saudi Arabian uh, Football Authority, and they sign what we refer to as a memorandum of understanding. Um, and it looks like this this tournament is is going to cost around about one hundred and sixty million pounds. Well, there's going to be about one hundred and sixty million pounds of funding a year, which is which is quite a lot. And then, 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 as you know, Kevin, I'm I'm not a cynic. Indeed. Um, yeah, and, and I pride myself on not being a cynic. Um, but, but I note that the Confederation of African Football um, has 54 members, and 54 members means it has 54 votes. Um, Saudi Arabia wants to host the 2030 FIFA World Cup. Mm. And um, as part of the funding, um, there's going to be what we refer to as solidarity payments, which are going to be around about £1 million per individual country, a country's FA. So, so there will be some funding, and yeah, that, that, that's, that's absolutely fine. Um, you know, I, I, and I don't want to start a whispering campaign because Saudi Arabia, A, is entitled to uh, you know, opt to, to host the, the FIFA World Cup. Um, and it, for all we know, it could put on a fantastic tournament. Um, and then you know, there are other issues to, to discuss uh, with regards to that as well. Um, so it does appear that a memorandum of understanding, you know, cooperation, work together, uh, you know, improve the quality of football in both countries. All of that sounds good on paper, uh, and yeah, well, I hope it comes to good in fruition. Um, you know, uh, the cynic, uh, which I'm not, would say um, that those solidarity payments, they're, they're pretty generous, um, especially given that it's only going to be 24 clubs in the African Super League. So an 
there's going to be quite a few countries in Africa who will not be participating in the tournament, but will be receiving money um, as as part of this deal. Mm, yeah, as you say, Kieran, you're not a cynic, so. But I, I am, Kieran, because you, you know what? I was just looking at the, the rest of the stories we've got coming up. Most of them seem to be about European clubs, Kieran. And yes. This indicates that this is more than a coincidence, considering some club has just qualified for Europe for the first time ever, and now suddenly <laughs> we're talking about Europe, Europe, Europe all over the place. And I reckon there's a link there, Kieran. Um, the first two of these stories are in Italy, and we've been talking about streaming a lot lately, mm. and a lot of the questions we've been getting from our lovely listeners have been about streaming, but it's mostly for clubs at a lower level of English football, but it's been ramped up a little bit because one of the, the biggest clubs in Italy are looking for their own streaming deal. Yes, um, this has come from Napoli, um, and the owner of the club, um, apologies for pronunciation, uh, Aurelio De Laurentiis, um, he is is bemoaning the fact that uh, the the broadcast rights in Syria are worth around about one point one billion pounds, and that's the third of about a third of what's generated in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. It's probably around about half of what they're getting from La Liga. Um, and he says, you know, we're losing this money, A, due to piracy, piracy even, um, and secondly, due to um, you know, a general loss of interest in, in Italian football. And therefore, he says, let's, let's go direct to consumer. Um, and let's use the streaming platforms, you know, the likes of DAZN or Netflix or Amazon Prime, um, as a as a means of, of directly uh, getting in contact with clubs. And, and we this has been you know mooted. Um, I know uh, I know he's, he's not your favourite person, but but Simon Jordan, you know, constantly refers to this, um, and, and he referred to me yesterday on Talksport as Kelvin Maguire, <laughs> uh, which. <laughs> which is which was uh, the, the only the, the only Kelvin I've ever heard of is Kelvin McKenzie, who um, is probably, as far as I'm concerned, one of the most reprehensible human beings ever to set foot in this country, mm. um, because he was the editor of the Sun um, at Hillsborough, and uh, yeah. he's he's never been particularly uh, repentant uh, with regards to his take on that, and uh, he was also blessed. He was also the. Uh, uh, boss of Talk Sport, who sacked me and Mark Webster for using too many long words. That's outrageous. Yeah, I know. Uh, juxtaposition was a word he particularly. He, he wrote down a list of long words that we'd been using that he didn't like. Hypermobility, didn't like that one. Uh, anyway, that's, that's all water under the bridge. He still owes us some money as well. But that was a long time ago. Crack on. <laughs> um, so, so, so that's. That's where we are. You know, uh, you know, Italian football um, is is falling behind. Um, you know, we've we've seen the likes of of Bournemouth being able to outbid the Milan teams for players, and uh, you, you can therefore uh, see why there is potentially a, a desire to to bring more money in. Um, we'll have to wait and see. Um, you know, the, the world of broadcasting and football uh, is going to change um i think if we are still doing this show in in 10 years time um we will be doing you know the price of football from the metaverse 
<laughs> you see me and you, you in your shed and, and me with my wonky chomps feeding Finley um, in with 3D uh, avatars uh, representing us somehow. Um, I, 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 I scares the very thought of me. Um, but I, I, I think we're... Go yeah, sorry. I, I think there'll be significant changes in how the broadcasting industry and football interacts um, and, and this is clearly a sort of baby steps as far as that progress is concerned. Yeah, I, I believe Kieran, he's given up on the metaverse idea. Yeah, you're a mad billionaire. So I think we might be right. We might be back to just you. You'll still be in your shed, Kieran, and I'll still be in mine. But <laughs> it'll be actually us. Kelvin McKenzie also got the hump one night because uh, Mark Webster and I were doing the show in the summer months. They specifically got us in to do June, July and the first week of August when there was no football to talk about, uh, to talk about football, three-hour evening show. And he particularly got the hump because one night we were discussing a a Pop Stars 11 and Mark Webster suggested that Johnny Marr could play as a number 10. And this went on for quite some time. And Kelvin McKenzie, whether Kelvin McKenzie was furious about the whole concept of a Pop Star <laughs> 11 or the fact that we had Johnny Marr at number 10, I don't know, but... We got we got a lot of emails from Kelvin McKenzie in that three months. Wow. Uh, Kieran, I, I don't know whether um, fans of Juventus are uh, aware of the work of the Chuckle Brothers, but, <laughs> but, but <laughs> this bloody 10-point penalty they get is, is taken on an air of the to me, to you, to me, to you. These, and they've, it's, it's landed back at Juventus again, isn't it? Yes. Um, Juventus were given a 15-point penalty in January. They then appealed against that, and it was suspended um, so that a further uh, investigation to take place. And they have now been given a 10-point penalty with regards to what has been described as capital gains offences. So what, what oh. they mean here is how they've been booking profits from player sales. Um, and yeah, we... We mentioned a couple of years ago uh, the the very strange transfer of Arthur and Pjanic yeah. between Barcelona and Juventus, which just so happened to book huge profits for both clubs for players who are look they're professional football players in elite divisions. You know they they get into our five aside team. We're not we're not denying that, but the yeah you know, the sort of the sixty and seventy million euro prices for those players did did raise eyebrows. But because it was a player swap. Very little cash took place in terms of, of you know, swapping bank accounts, but big profits were being reported in the accounts. Um, so they have been uh, deducted uh, 10 points, which means that they've gone from second to seventh. So they, they could be playing in the Europa League uh, <laughs> next season. Uh, just, just, just putting it out there. Um, uh, but I believe that they could also have a further points penalty, a uh, further 10 12, we don't know, um, with regards to wages, because Juventus is a company which is listed on the Italian stock exchange. And if you are listed, because your shares are being bought by individuals and bought and sold and traded on a regular basis, there is a higher degree of scrutiny. And Juventus had uh, hinted or made it probably more than hinted that during the pandemic, uh, players were taking pay cuts and pay deferrals. And then it transpired that perhaps they were embellishing that story a wee bit. Um, and the Italian authorities um, are not very uh, delighted about that. So, 
yeah, they've they've dropped from second to seventh. Um, they've still got two games left this season, um, but uh, yeah, they've 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 come out they come out swinging um, as a result of that. But will again doesn't uh, doesn't look too clever uh, for a club which remember historically has also been demoted for um, yeah, shenanigans. Mm. I'm, I'm trying to think of a country in Europe where you're less likely to meet boiled eggs when you go to the away games. And uh, you must have thought, you must have thought, you must have had a chat with your mates about this, Kieran, after your uh, laudable uh, entry into you. What just in terms of where you want to go? What would be your three dream teams in your in your European group? Oh, we've already done this yet. Yeah. Um, I think it's uh, Leverkusen because uh, I think yeah. we're going to be pot three. Yeah. So yeah, we, we're talking about my my love of German football, German yeah. fan, fan culture. Uh, I think Leverkusen won um, uh, a Dutch team, and then I think there's one uh, Uzbekistan or uh, Azerbaijan. I, I want to go on Europe's longest flight journey. Of course you do. Um, on on a Thursday night to uh, watch us lose 1-0 to an 89th minute own goal by Lewis Dunk um, and then you know, spend four hours at the, the airport waiting for the flight to come back and yeah, you, come back on Friday night because uh, that, that's, that's the joy of football. You, you get real brownie. But I remember the, the Saturday after we'd been, we went, about 100 of us were away at Wrexham the week before and we made sure that every single Palace fan we bumped into for two weeks knew that we'd been to Wrexham. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's exactly what you'll be doing. You'll be you'll be going into the quinoa shop saying, "I'm sorry, I'm a little bit tired. I've just come back from Uzbekistan. I didn't see you out there." I, I do. I really. I, I, what an adventure you're going on. I really. I, I do envy you, Kieran. I think it's a brilliant achievement. But uh, you mentioned Holland, um, mm. and we mentioned just a week or so ago that uh, surprise, surprise, Roman Abramovich may be investigated here for possibly squirrelling some money away before the sanctions but he's also going to be investigated in, in Holland by the look of things yes um historically um there's been what i would refer to as an entente cordiale between chelsea and vitesse arnhem mm. uh, you know chelsea used to to regularly have sort of players going out on loan there uh, you know, swapping ideas and you know, knowledge exchange. You know, as an academic, is something which we always encourage. So that that, that seemed fine. And there were sort of uh, you know, harumphs and mms. Uh, is it, okay, well, you know, Vitis Arnim seemed to be doing okay. You know, uh, seemed to be punching a bit above their weight. Um, but the the Dutch uh, FA, the KNVB, are now you know, investigating. I think this is for the second or third time as to whether or not Vitesse Arnhem were actually being funded by Roman Abramovich. Um, I think, the, and uh, Vitesse now have new owners. So yeah, this this is looking at a historical period of of, uh, of the club's existence. Um, and and we go to the the oligarch files, uh, you know, the, those those fantastic ferrets um, of of journalistic natures who who you know have, have intercepted and uh, hacked and God knows something, but. Um, if, if if I if I say to you money has been circulating between companies in the British Virgin Islands, Belize, and Liechtenstein, how are your eyebrows feeling about that? In terms of that, sounds legit. Uh, to be honest, Kieran, my eyebrows are, are still suffering from the boiled egg scenario, so they're not <laughs> they're not getting any higher than that. In fact, they've come down just a tad on that news about the British Virgin Islands. But carry on again. <laughs> um, well, it, it does appear. If these allegations are true, that Vitesse Arnhem was being funded 
but yeah, for at least 100 million pounds for strange money flow, Liechtenstein, Belize, British Virgin Islands ending up in the Netherlands. And then these companies in these countries are linked to a Cypriot trust, which appears to be um, the beneficiary of, or the beneficiary of which would be Roman Abramovich. Yeah, and, and I've said uh, on, on more than one occasion, uh, yeah, there are, there's close links between Cyprus and, and Russia because Cyprus historically has has done the money laundering for rich Russian individuals. Um, and and uh, yeah, that's, that's not a criticism. And a few years ago, there was what, when we had the uh, banking crash of 2007, eight, um, all of the Cypriot banks turned around to all of their customers and said, uh, we're going to give you what's referred to as a haircut, i.e. If you, if you had $100 in your account, you've now just lost 10% of that. So, yeah, it was pretty, pretty tough times. Um, so it's going to be really hard work for KNVB because money trail when you go into offshore areas is is tricky. Um, the Cypriot Trusts, uh, we'll be taking a a fun boy three our lips are sealed approach <laughs> to uh, giving up any information, um, and uh, Mr. Abramovich has hasn't been seen recently anywhere, uh, and, he, and he's you know, he's, he's probably in a hollowed out volcano, stroking <laughs> a white cat as as we as we very much speak at present. It's just occurred to me, Kieran, if if Brighton were to be drawn at some stage of the competition against a team from Liechtenstein or Luxembourg. Then Guy would happily go with you to visit one of his favourite bank accounts. I imagine. Wouldn't he? <laughs> yes, just every now and again he likes to go and see them in person. Every now and again, just like Boris Johnson's children, just turns up, <laughs> pats them on the head, disappears again. Uh, our next story, Kieran, takes us to Portugal, and it, it, it it's quite a pleasing cartoon image. This one, I know it's a serious story, but it 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 does conjure up visions of. Portuguese men in bowler hats and rolled up umbrellas for some reason. <laughs> yes, um, there, there's been a there's been a mass investigation by the tax authorities of Benfica, Sporting, and Porto um, by by their equivalent of HMRC um, in respect of tax fraud, social security fraud, and once again money laundering. Wow. Um, uh, with with regards to those clubs uh, in relation to offences alleged in respect of image rights, payments to agents and player contracts, all of which sounds uh, extremely entertaining. Um, and it's come to a, a an estimated 58 million euro total of uh, money, which has probably not gone where perhaps it should have gone to as far as the tax authorities are concerned. So uh, it, it it, it does indicate that uh, perhaps it's not just in this country where an independent regulator of football would be beneficial to uh, the people there. Yeah, yeah, and as fans, let's face it, we, we don't care about tax dodges by by football clubs. We just care about what happens on the pitch. But uh, th- there is there is a, a is a cost because if you're defrauding. The, the the exchequer wherever you are that's money which is is not going into education which is not going into health is, it is not going into social care and so on um and and football is is a sufficiently wealthy industry to not to have to go down these particular rabbit holes in my view i i think kieran as a matter of official policy the price of football podcast does care 
about tax dodging football teams. Really, I mean, I think it's, I think <laughs> yes, it's pretty. I, so. I think it's pretty pretty much high up on our our things to do list. Kieran is to care about. I know we've cared more about boiled eggs and tax dodging football clubs today. Uh, of course, uh, I'll put a plea out to our, our lovely Portuguese listeners if you could let us know what the Portuguese for independent regulator is. That would be lovely. But I mean, this is actually. I mean, there was more than two hundred actual tax officials just turned up at the stadium, didn't they? And, Carry and started searching for stuff. So this is a this was obviously a coordinated event, which is why I say it's quite a pleasing image of uh, Portuguese officials, probably with lovely rolled up shirts, but still with top hat, bowler hats, and 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 rolled up umbrellas, to actually turning up and taking stuff away from the club. So it's it's they've obviously got paper evidence as well. Yes, yeah, it, it's uh, very uh, intriguing. Um, and I think it's indicative of the lack of trust that the tax authorities have that they went in mob handed, yeah, um, and effectively have taken away. I don't know if anybody's seen the the, the recent documentary about uh, Bernie Madoff um, and his yeah. pyramid scheme. Um, when the uh, SEC and the other authorities went in from the states, they went in very mob handed. FBI and and the first thing they did was that they 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 switched off the shredder. Um, yeah. And I'll say no more. Yeah. That. Um, two more stories, Kieran. Um, one of them is something that's caught your eye. A company called Oon Limited. Is that right? Yes, this this company called uh, Une, Une, uh, uh, I think it's uh, uh, yes, uh, uh, Unicorn November Echo. Um, this is this is a company. Um, this, this company, which was formed in January twenty twenty three, and it's it, who cares? And the the person who controlled it at the time was uh, described as Carmine Raiola, um, and who was born in, I think it was 1967, 57. Um, and this is, I'm going, well, hold on. Um, that That's the, that's Mino Raiola, who, so this, for, this company was formed in January 2023, controlled by somebody called Carmine Raiola. But Mino Raiola is known as a super agent. Yeah, um, yeah. He, he was, you know, Paul Pogba's agent. Yeah. Um, he he's probably made more money in one deal than any other deal in the history of football. When Paul Pogba signed uh, for Manchester United from Juventus, one of our former entertainers on this show, um, he was estimated to make £25 million uh, in respect of a deal uh, for uh, Juventus, who wanted to sign the player, Manchester United, who wanted to buy the player, <laughs> and Paul Pogba, who wanted to move yeah. from Italy to Manchester. Um, Sir Alex Ferguson uh, doesn't describe him as a super agent. Sir Alex Ferguson described him as, and I quote, a shitbag, <laughs> um, which uh, this is because uh, Mineriola was also responsible for Paul Pogba leaving Manchester United <laughs> and going to Juventus on a free transfer um, when his contract expired a, a, a few years ago. He, and it, he is uh, a divisive figure. Um, he, he spoke seven languages. If he spoke to, if he spoke to the players for whom he represented him, they, they thought the world went because he fought their corner yeah. uh, and he was a really tough guy to have to deal with. Um, so it, it's just a bit strange, you know. The, the the guy died in April 2022. So how can he be setting up a company in January 2023? Oh, yes. So that's that is that is today's mystery, um, and I'm sure there is a logical answer for that. Um, you know, uh, could, could this be another? 
Doris Stokes related activity? We'll have to wait and see. Well, so I, I, the first thing that popped into my head here was Randall and Hopkirk. Oh yeah, which was which was where a partnership of two private investigators, one of whom was dead, um, but that turned out to be quite useful because it meant you could pop in and out of places and go into safes without actually having to. So maybe, maybe, maybe this is a start of a new a new Sky Atlantic adventure, Kieran. Yeah, we'll have to keep it. Um, now, can I, our last story is about you. Uh, I don't oh. know. I don't know where you. I don't know where you get the time, Kieran. I mean, obviously, you save yourself five minutes a day by not having a boiled egg in the morning. <laughs> but in that five minutes, you're going to have to <laughs> take on a new role, Kieran. Um, yes, uh, the Professional Footballers Association um, under Maheta uh, are trying to address uh, some issues to support their members, and they are setting up a business school. Mm. And there's there's a lot of people involved. I think uh, I think our very good friend Nick DeMarco is is going to be involved as well. And uh, yeah, they, they've asked me to to be the the Bobby Numbers uh, equivalent <laughs> um, and to to do a course. And I'm just incredibly a honoured and be excited to, uh, to 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 get involved with this. So yeah, I'll, I'll be doing a, a course. Uh, yeah, any opportunity to explain amortization to anybody. You know, I walk up to complete strangers if they're looking a bit, yeah, if they're looking a bit glum, and, I, and I'll talk to them about impairment and amortization just to just to bring a smile to their face uh, before they give me a two-word uh, uh, piece of advice. Well, well, if anyone's listening from the PFA, and if any of your members uh, want to take up stand-up comedy, I'll, I'll happily help you set up the brand new PFA stand-up comedy school. I'll be more than happy to do that. The next Price of Football live show will take place at Plymouth Argyles Home Park Stadium on Tuesday the 6th of June, so it's coming up. Tickets are available now from Argyles' website. Not many, but there are a few left if you want to come along. It'd be lovely to see you. Thanks to everyone who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page. If you'd like to make a small monthly contribution to the pod as well, then please go to patreon.com slash priceoffootball. And if you have a question you'd like answered on the show, email us at questions at priceoffootball.com. And in the meantime, I shall hand you over to Mr. Kieran Maguire for his customary farewell. Uh, well, thank you, everybody, uh, at Patreon. For as little as a pound a month, you can um, uh, you can give us a bit of support. And that's, that's really kind. And I think some of the higher tiers, you uh, you don't get the adverts on the show. Um, we are doing a special quiz for our uh, Patreon subscribers as a thank you. Uh, so that's taking place um, next ne- next Wednesday, in fact, the 31st of uh, May. So uh, sets... Set, uh, Set your alarms. Uh, it'll be the, be the usual nonsense. Kevin will be the quizmaster general, and I will uh, I will be nerdily researching uh, bits and pieces of nonsense uh, to form the questions. So, well, we, we've done these before, and they've always been great fun. So you, you will be you will be very welcome. Um, we, we've had to uh, restrict it to our Patreon members. A, a is a thank you to them, um, but B um, we we did have a sort of an open house one. Um, a, a couple of years ago, um, and one of the people um, who who was uh, on on the show uh, decided to strip naked, mm. um, and, and that was that that was actually quite unpleasant. Yeah, you know, we, we, we will find sort of humour in most things, and that was actually very distasteful. But so so we are going to have to restrict it to, to people. Um, but there's another way. There's another way that you can support the show, and, and by all accounts, it's it's by going on to your app. And giving us a review, um, it, it helps us in the out in the charts, and we've been doing pretty well in the charts recently, um, as far as the sports charts in in, in a, a variety of very strange countries. Um, 
and uh, it doesn't matter by all accounts, according to producer Guy, what you would say. So you could even say you would rather have the show presented by a honey badger, by a honey badger, and honey badgers are vicious little beasts. They are. And Kelvin McKenzie in the same room, and it wouldn't bother me. In fact, I'd be absolutely delighted if that took place. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Kieran, let's let's make it two honey badgers and Kelvin McKenzie. Right. And Kelly McKenzie smeared in honey. <laughs> I'm glad you reminded me about the uh, end of season quiz, another 31st to make, because I genuinely I hadn't put it in my diary. Um, and that's the second time this week I'd have got in trouble because I was last night busily telling Ali that what the plans were for the, the last day of the season and the, the home game against Nottingham Forest and how we were going to get there early uh, and make a proper day of it. Uh, and stay out late. And Ali went, uh, okay, and, and in which part of the day are we going to fit in our wedding anniversary meal? Uh, <gasps> uh, so, oh, yeah, guys, that's a cool story. I didn't want – part of it was going to be a surprise. I was like, <laughs> Hashtag awkward. <laughs> I can't, I'm not going to pretend I've got a ticket for her as a treat. Um, <laughs> so we'll do, we, we negotiated brunch. It's not. A spe- I was going to say it's not a special wedding anniversary. That'd be a terrible thing to say. They're all, they're all special. They're all, they're all special. They're all special. Next year is a very special one. But this year, uh, yeah, we would have been married thirty years uh, next year. Yeah, you're right. We were twelve when we got married. Absolutely right. Uh, bye, everybody. Bye. I'm for the